Hello, everyone. Happy 2022. I'm your host, Monique Johnson. I'm stepping into 2022 with gratitude and intention. I'm not a resolution person, really, but I believe in realignment, mindset shifts, and action. So that's what I'm embracing as I create my vision. I'm sharing a new episode from March of 2021 that was never aired. It was just too good not to share. My friend and classmate, Dr. Sean Ricks, is a phenomenal advocate for mental health and wellness and social justice. So please listen in as she shares her journey with us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Careers Evolve podcast. I am your host, Monique Johnson, and I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Sean Arango Ricks. I'm going to introduce her and then we are going to get this party started. I'm so excited to have her. We have known each other for, I don't know, 20 something years. Over 30, over 30 years. 30 years. Whoa. (laughs) So Dr. Sean Arango Ricks is the chair of the Department of Leadership and Educational Studies at Appalachian State University. Prior to her appointment at Salem, Dr. Ricks was an associate professor of counseling and human services at Old Dominion University. And Dr. Ricks has experienced working with diverse student populations and has worked in the community system in HBCU, large public and small private settings. She received her PhD from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro in educational leadership and cultural foundations and a master's in counselor education from the Pennsylvania State University at University Park. We are, that's where we met. And Dr. Ricks is also a licensed clinical mental health counselor and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. And she's the current president of the North Carolina Foundation for Alcohol and Drug Studies and past president of the Southern Organization for Human Services. So Dr. Ricks has written books and all that. I could go on and on and on and on, but she is super talented. She's my friend, and I'm so glad to have her. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Johnson. You are very welcome. So I had intended to have a coffee mug because, you know, remember we were doing that thing on Instagram for a minute where we were posting mugs with sayings or mugs mugs with messages, with messages. That's right. And so I I wasn't quite as organized today. So I'm just happy that I have on clothes during a pandemic. So we're here (laughs) on the best we can. Exactly. Exactly. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and tell us what you're currently doing. Um, Absolutely. And I think this just plays so nicely into the name of the podcast, Careers Evolve, right? Because I started with one kind of idea of what I would do, and it's just kind of been morphing or evolving. So originally, you know, I started in in higher ed. I started a community college teaching um, primarily because I had children and I wanted something flexible and children at, at the house. And then that morphed into a tenure track job at a university. And I said, okay, I, I like this too, right? So the teaching, et cetera. And that evolved into you know, an, another position as a um, assistant vice president at a small private university around equity, diversity, and, and inclusion. But while I was at the um, HBCU, 
while I was doing that work. And I was there for a grip, like 10 years. That's when I really started. My research interest has always been around mental health and wellness and kind of social justice, kind of the intersection of them. Um, My dissertation was around Black women in the academy and basically like how to survive it, right? It's a really unique space. And there's such a small percentage of um, Black women professors. I think it's around 2%, maybe three. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot. Um, And so you're always running into these kind of microaggressions and all kinds of things, right? So, but while I was at the the HBCU, I really started to notice that what I was writing about and theorizing about really needed to be um, practically applied. Students were coming in, coworkers were coming in, like they were having like real life dysfunction, I'll say for lack of, for a better word, you know, anxiety, depression, traumas that they didn't recognize as trauma, you know, just all of these things because they had just been trying to push through and grind and do and more and I got to get this done and now I got to pay this bill and we need a car and the baby's sick and now my mom needs a place. Like it was just always something. Then I also saw the physical health outcomes. I saw that we, you know, still lead in health disparities Right. That black women are still dying for we're working harder and dying sooner. Like it was, you know, it was bananas. And so that's when I, in terms of involving, went and got my license as a clinical mental health counselor, my license as an addiction specialist and opened up a private practice in Winston. So I've been in a private practice for about five years and it is thriving. Mm-hmm. It allows me an opportunity, though, to just kind of connect the dots between the intellectual knowing and the how does this really play out, right? Um, and the reason why I do this work is because I believe fervently that when we heal, we don't heal alone. And so if I can help other people unlock their stuff, right? It's good for me, like it's good for you, it's good for the world, right? right? To have healed more whole people in the world is good for all of us. And so that's why it's been so hard for me to kind of pull back on that. You didn't ask that question, but I guess that's no, just No, no, that's great. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about the, the private practice work that you do. So yeah, that that's fantastic. Yeah, that is, we need you. <laughs> Most definitely, we need people people uh, who are supporting us in that way and, and passionate about working with, with women. And you primarily work with women, right? You're primarily, primarily, yes, yes. I would say 99%. Okay, okay. So I don't know if this question is redundant, but what problem would you say that you solve in your work? That's, it's a really good question. And I, I would say that there's probably not one problem but I would, if I had to narrow it, I would say I help people remember who they are. And I think that's the root of a lot of what happens to us. And of course, I speak from personal experience, right? Having done my own remembering, which mm-hmm. is to me just coming back together, right? Because we just start doing these things like a checkoff list. You should go to high school. Okay, check. Now pick a college. Check. What's your major? Check. What are you going to do for work? Check. You know, now I got to buy a house. Now I got a car. Do you have a family? Like we just start living this playbook life, right? That somebody else gave us. And I think it's very, it can be very disempowering, right? Because we don't even know what we want. We don't know what we like. Like maybe I don't even want to buy a house, but everyone says you should, or maybe I don't want it. You know, maybe I don't want a car. Maybe I want to live in an urban area. And just, you know, it just mm-hmm. gets really, maybe I don't want to go to college, right? Like there's so many pieces that I think people drift away from who they are because they've been given a list of things they should do. Mm-hmm. And so when people just tap back into them, that's 
Uh, to me, that's a big, the biggest thing I try to address, just tapping back into you, reconnecting to you, remembering you. Right, right. Absolutely. We definitely need that. I may be calling you real soon. <laughs> Help you I give you the friends and family rate. <laughs> that's normally some Tito's and a bag of chips. <laughs> what turning points have you had in your career that have inspired you? I know you talked about getting your license to help others, but what turning points have you had that inspired you? Well, so many turning points. You know, I think when I decided to go back and get my PhD, I was a working mother of three and and working uh, working full time. To me, that was a turning point because that obtaining that terminal degree unlocked a lot of doors for me, Mm -hmm. you know, that I wouldn't would be closed right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was pivotal. Getting my license, not only did that, you know, that opened up a whole lot of other, you know, things because, you know, I could have gone as a life coach. And a lot of what I do is, I think, I mean, you know, just coaching people back to themselves. Mm-hmm. But the clinical knowledge that I gained going through, you know, supervision and and all of that, that was mostly for me. So that was a turning point you know, in terms of career clarification about what I love, about, you know, other ways to just exist in the world. So those would be the two biggest ones, I would think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine it would be. That's a lot to have on your plate to go back to school. I remember when you went back to school and you were doing all that. I was like, she's superwoman. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, I wrote a little article about how I stopped playing the strong black woman because Mm -hmm. it was killing me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was. I was like, I can do this. I can write till 2 a.m. and then I'll get up at five and make everybody's breakfast and then I'll go to the market at midnight. Like it was bananas. I was like, what are you doing? Right. uh, Yeah. So it took its toll. Mm -hmm. It really did take its toll. And um, and I'm pulling back. And I'm sure that those experiences are probably the motivation for your programs. Don't you have a group coaching program? No yes. mask, no cape. I think yes, about I that. do. Yes, I do. And I love that. That was the impetus for that. And I love the little, you know, my uh, logo for that, which is a woman kind of throwing her cape off and kind of holding her head up to the sky, like receiving divine, you know, knowledge or empowerment. Um, But yeah, that was the motivation for that, for me to remind women mostly um, in a one-on-one setting, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Let's pause, right? Just even if someone doesn't seek any professional outside assistance for wellness, and I really like to lean on the wellness lens, right? Because people want to say something's wrong. You're going to see a counselor, you, you know, but you go see your doctor every year for a checkup or just to make sure, you know, or to enhance, right? Like I just want, just want to check my blood work, just want to get it, you know, whatever. Like it's the same for mental wellness. So just reminding people that, you know, they have the support and clarity on about what they want to do and what toll it's taking on them, if any. Mm-hmm. 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 So what are some of the lessons that you, I know you probably have many, many, and this all kind of is all relative. It all sort of ties together, but what lessons have you taken away from your career journey? Oh my goodness. I think the lesson that comes up, which must be, maybe it's because I've been studying it a lot lately though, is that people take experiences that happen and make meaning out of them. And that has helped me tremendously in my career on both sides, right? Because it's the perception of what people think is happening, not necessarily what's happening. This is true. And so I need to be kind of aware of it. And so a lot of times I'll ask people like, okay, an event happened. 
so what meaning did you make out of that? Right. So because that's the real thing. It's mm -hmm. not so much the event, it's the meaning, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing that that guides me too, and this is, you know, in terms of helping people release this connection we have to wanting to hold on to our traumas. And almost everyone I've worked with, almost everyone I know has some kind of trauma, whether you've named it or not, like it's it's there, is a quote by Wayne Dyer, which is, it's not the snake bite that will kill you, it's the venom. Mm -hmm. And so I like to remind people that, you know, it's not that you experience a trauma, it's that you haven't worked it through. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's still so it's not that the snake bit you. Mm -hmm. It's that you didn't get that venom out. Right. Right. So we work on extracting the venom. Right. And to me, that just helps remind people, you know, it gives people hopefulness. And this cross on, on both sides of what I do, because when I work with students, right, you know, when I studied, when I was writing my PhD, I did a lot of work around bell hooks and Audre Lord. And you have to bring your whole self into spaces. In Western culture, we don't value the whole self as much. We value like head up. Mm -hmm. But when I'm with students, I see the whole student and they can't be a superb student if they've got like all this other stuff they're working through. Right. So I don't turn into like full counselor mode, but I am mindful when stuff, something's going on at home or at their job or wherever, it's going to impact how they're showing up in this space. Mm -hmm. Right. And to ask people to disconnect is unfair. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now mm -hmm. you get into, you know, disassociation, you get into numbness, you get into all kinds of things, which can become habit forming. And it means you don't experience as much pain in life. But guess what else you don't get to experience as much joy. Right. And feelings, you know, allowing yourself to feel. Yes. So what what advice do you give to students as you see their whole selves in terms of helping them to work through what you see? What ways do you encourage them? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you would say that because that's probably the one thing I don't have a direct answer for. So it's an interesting question. But as I just tease through it, to me, it is providing people a space, right? So part of what I try to do is just an empowerment approach, mm -hmm. right? So without actually saying these words, what I'm saying is you're smart enough, you know, you're good enough, you're competent, you're capable, I do tell students, you know, out front, you know, up front, I'm not out to get you. Like, this is not a gotcha game. You know, you didn't do whatever. Like, I'm not, that's not my goal. I don't think learning happens in highly pressurized, you know, it's just, that's mm -hmm. not it, right? Right. So I'm less concerned about like all of the assessments that I have, which I have to do, right? Because we do have to measure. There's some, some measurement. I'm more interested in the process. And I encourage them to be fully here so you can be in the process right. and experience it. And what, you know, what do you think about that? And what came up and what is that connected to? And, um, and so I think it gives students, my feedback often is very similar to feedback I get from clients as well, right? Like it's a, a space where you can just kind of show up without so much putting on a, a, a front or right, right. Be, be yourself. Yeah, because I I have I strive to be myself. And I used to tell when we were meeting people face to face, I used to say, look, the way I am in class, like if I see you at Walmart, like it's the same Sean. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm the same Sean at Walmart. And you know me. That's the mm -hmm. same Sean in class as it is at Walmart. Right. As it right. is going to be at the gym. As it's going to be at the reunion. Like I try to show up as authentically as I can without doing all this kind of role shifting. Right. Um, because, I, you know, I think people don't know what to trust or believe. And if you don't know what to trust or believe, 
you know, your nervous system goes bananas and then it's, it's really hard to learn. That's true. That is so true. That's great insight, Dr. Sean. You're welcome. (laughs) So last hard question, I think the other questions I have for you will be easy. What obstacles would you say that you faced? What have been some of your obstacles? Oh, this is an easy one. Wow. Okay. okay. So I'll tell you both from both sides of the house, right? From higher ed, the obstacles have been showing up in the body I've been given, right? Being a black woman, just being, you know, being a woman, being black, the intersection of those, uh, you know, it's a obstacle. People don't expect professors to look like I do. They don't expect professors to be amicable. They don't, you know, so they're, you know, I don't have a tweed blazer that I wear with little patches on the elbows. I don't have a pipe. I don't have a turtleneck. So I've had to overcome people's implicit biases around Mm -hmm. how I'm supposed to kind of, or what they were expecting, both in the classroom, right? And just within the university setting, again, Mm -hmm. small percentage, you know, of Black women. So I have been asked in meetings, like, am I upset? Just because I'm demonstrative and and passionate, right? That's part Mm -hmm. of who I am. Right. And then people say, oh my gosh, are you upset? Like, no, I'm not upset. So so it's been, that's been... (laughs) Yeah, that's been you know, one. That's been one challenge, you know. So that's been a challenge. And I, I forgot what I was going to say on the other side of the house because I've got so wrapped. Oh, I Maybe remember your your practice. On the other side of the house. Yeah, you know, on the for the practice side, it has been self care, right? It has been having strong boundaries to make sure that I, you know, am scheduling myself in a way that I have time for me. Right, mm-hmm. that I'm not taking you know clients that have. I don't work with clients with major mental illness. You know, I do like life, minor life adjustment. Adjustment, yeah. Anxiety, you got some depression, you're a little sad, Mm -hmm. you feel overwhelmed, you know, all that. That's that's my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So just, but also just making sure that I am, you know, making time for me, that I'm valuing me, that I'm showing up for me, because it's easy to fall back into old habits of knowing and being. Well, I, I just commend you in the fact that you do both, that you are a chair of a department, you're a faculty member, but you also are the chair of the department. Yeah. So, so the leader, and then you have a private practice with a significant client caseload. So yes. Yeah. So yes, I would imagine that self-care is extremely important. It's radical. I've been using that term, you know, Angela Davis, that radical self-care. And then I've been toying with the phrase radical self-compassion. Okay, that's great. Radical self-compassion. Okay. So that's actually one of my questions. So we can just kind of segue right on into that. How do you practice self-care or rest? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I have, you know, there's so many, so many ways that I try to ease it in. Right. So, um, you know, I try to nourish my spiritual portion of myself by getting together with some folks that are near and dear to me on a call every morning where we just kind of try to remind ourselves of the divinity of who we are. And to me, that's part of my self-care. I started moving my body again. Um, by, you know, joining this boot camp and walking and weather's turning nice. That's part of my self-care. Yoga, you know, I try to just, you know, being still. That's the hardest part for someone like me who wants to be in my mind and wants to be active. Um, and I highly recommend to anyone who is listening who feels that their their nervous system is uh, hyper-regulated, some restorative yoga 
or some yoga nidra, and especially restorative yoga for Black women because we hold stuff in our tissues and your fascia, the connective tissue. And restorative yoga just puts you in a posture, a very gentle posture, and there is no you know, right or wrong around a posture. But basically, you just hold that so that the tissue starts to release what it's holding, right? So it's just a way to, to release trauma from your body, to release repressed memories from your body. So I, I try to do that as well. And it's the hardest one for me because I want to I don't want to sit in a posture for three minutes. I want to get up and I don't know, let me, let's hit a wall. Let's kick a brick. Let's, you know, I want to do, right? <laughs> right, right. So that stillness. So I try to practice, you know, some stillness, you know, as well. I've been intentional with my nutrition so that I'm fueling myself in a way I, I you know, I attempt to be intentional with my nutrition. So I'm fooling myself, uh, fueling myself in a way that will support my body. And I think those are all the like major things. I'm I'm developing a more active play agenda because that's what's been coming up in all of my stuff that I need to play more. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking for more ways to play. Mm -hmm. That's great. I um I have a friend, a cousin who's been asking me to do yoga every Sunday. Her sister does a class virtually. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine doing it because my mind is always on the next thing or what I'm supposed to be doing. So that would be like really challenge for me to make myself not think about anything else and just breathe and just be. Just be in that moment. And, you know, yoga really isn't about the asanas, which are the postures. It's really about the union with self, like the yogic union of communing with yourself. So it's really supposed to be like a divine time for you to mm-hmm. be with you and, you know, and do the, do the postures as best as you can. But we always get hung up in the Western word about how far did you get your leg? Right. You know, like, <laughs> but that's not what it's about. It's about were you able to kind of sit in your body and feel right, right? right. where you allow yourself that space. Right. So it can be, it's a really beautiful way to honor ourselves and to give ourselves that space that we need just to breathe. Well, I will remember that and I won't worry about being how flexible I am. And if I can do that, that pose or posture or what have you. Yes. Yeah. Let that go, boo. (laughs) I know. Right. So what, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, Oh, advice to my younger self would be pause I think that's one of the things, right? Pause, relax, breathe, you know, honor your decisions, decide what you want, right? So I, there was a period in my life where I feel like I was kind of just, something came up and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, we're all doing this present. Okay, cool, right? So it wasn't intentionality. So I wasn't really moving towards something, I think I was just moving away from things, right? Like, I'm going to do that. I'll do this. So I would really like, I would recommend for my younger self to kind of put in my GPS destination and then let go and trust that any of those lines that come up are going to get me there. But without a GPS destination of there, it takes a lot longer to get where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. So be more focused. To some extent, intentional slash focus. I think maybe intentional, just really be and about, and that's like a deep dive, right? Because I don't think I, I don't think a lot of us aren't focused, 
But I think we're hyper focused on maybe external validation stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So really, it's a like an internal, like what internal, do I, yeah, you know, what do I really want? Right. Not what right. do I think people are going to be like, good job, or people say you're supposed to have, or whatever. Like, but what do I really want? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I want to get a van and go travel to country for a year, right? <laughs> yeah, people will be like, wait, what? Oh my gosh, Sean's gone crazy. She, tra-, you know, but if you know. The, I mean, hell, with the virtual way we're working these days, you, you get a hot spot, you know, and a right. cup of joe, I'm good. <laughs> yep, yeah, yes, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> what right. thoughts or words of encouragement would you offer to other women? Well, the first thing I would say is stop doing so much. How much you do is not a direct correlation with your worth. Mm-hmm. And we need to put that down, right? We really need to put that down. We need to, to stop that. Right. The, the second thing I would ask people to consider is where do they fall on their own list? And I, I know a lot of women are really good at making lists and I very rarely see them on it. You know, they got to do this. I got to run so-and-so here. I got to pick this one up. I got to, you know, making sure that every day you're on your list and not just on your list, but the top of the list. Right. What am I going to do for me today? And again, sometimes we don't know. So it's easier to fall into the role work than the, the goal work of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of say, oh, and then we end up, you know, resentment and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm just telling on myself at this point. Um, and then the, the last thing I would say is to, you know, actively find a group uh, that will support your ability to show up authentically, whatever that is, like whether that's good friends, whether it's uh, somebody you pay, just something. Because if you can just be in a, in a space where someone is holding that space for you, it'll give you an opportunity to to breathe. Yes, I love that. So put yourself on your list. Yeah, top of the list. Top of the list, daily. Yes, yes daily. Self-care is not selfish. Absolutely, I agree. Most definitely put yourself on the list and find your people. Find your tribe. Find your tribe. Absolutely. Great words of encouragement. So we're coming to our last one or two questions. This is a question that I ask everyone because it's somewhat of the tagline for the podcast. How are you opening doors and breaking barriers? And what does that mean to you? (laughs) Oh, wow. So in terms of opening doors and breaking barriers, this time that we're in, in terms of the sociopolitical climate, I am one of the only Black chairs at my um, institution. And I have taught so many classes where people have not had another Black woman professor. Right, where I have been, they've gone their whole academic career and not had a Black woman um, teach them. Uh, so to me, on that, that end, right, mm-hmm. showing up, and, you know, representation matters, right? So Absolutely. just the fact that I show up, you know, I think is breaking, you know, breaking some doors, breaking some, you know, uh, removing opening, some uh, Opening you know. doors or breaking barriers. Yeah, break out. Why do I want to break <laughs> doors? I'm sorry. I should have told everybody I'm from Philly, so. It's like a, it's like okay. a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> well, every once in a while, my violence side wants to come out, like, we're going to break that door. That's what we do. And you're like, no, we're not breaking the door. We can open it. 
just put your hand on the knob, Sean, and open it. <laughs> um, so, and very similarly with the women that I work with, because what we've seen a trend in happening is that people want that more direct cultural representation with people they see. Um, and Dr. Johnson, you know this from when we did our graduate programs, which had a high, you know, really emphasized, you know, the cultural competency. But that the goal of that was trying to help people bridge that, right? So you could go see anyone, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm right? Which is wonderful. Um, However, I think people are are just so highly charged right now that over the last three to five years, people haven't wanted to go through another layer of helping someone understand their journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think there there has been something about being able to show up as I am um, and also to be authentic with the women that I work with that it's nothing wrong with them. Like we're all good. And the things that they struggle with are common. And, you know, I've struggled with them, you struggle, you know, just, but I think that normalizing mm-hmm. actually really helps open windows and break slides. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely butchered it that time. I know you did. <laughs> I know you, we were, we were in school together, remember? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, I have enjoyed our discussion. And by the way, we had a phenomenal advisor, didn't we? Oh, yes. Yes. Dr. Yes. Dr. Yes. He won well, the ACA of the, of the Year Award, right? Lifetime Achievement Award this year. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I shared that with you. Yeah, ACPA, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was a, his intern when he was president in 1990-something, wow. he was president of the ACPA. They select an intern. The president selected can select an intern, and I was it. So I got to travel Ooh. with him. Yeah. You may have already been gone by then, I think. Yeah, I was gone. Um, yeah, I was gone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, yes, we had a great foundation uh, academically in yes. graduate school. Yes, yes. It really did. Really did. So what's next for you? Dr. Ricks? Well, I am working on, um, in in terms of my radical self-care, just creating more group spaces, you know, more ways to just kind of let women kind of gather. There's, I mean, healing is individual. Healing also happens in community. So I'm working on on that so that I don't have to show up like one-on-one-on-one, you know, because my academic career is also something that takes a lot of my time and energy. And on on that end, I'm really excited to be, you know, working on some writing projects and some research projects and, you know, just really examining trauma and how it impacts the body. And, you know, so I feel really full. Yeah, I, I feel really full and just right now just buckled in to enjoy this portion of the ride. Awesome. And so if people want to stay in touch with you, tell us about how they can stay in touch with you. Tell us about your books. Tell us about whatever you have going on. OMG, this is where one of the areas I need to do a little bit better on. Um, first, you could just Google me, Sean, you know, Sean Ricks or Sean Arango Ricks. I have a, um, a TEDx video where I talk about writing your own story. I have a couple books. One is Write Your Own Story, a handbook, and one is called Psychological Tight Spaces. And I'm working on a third. That's the other one I'm really interested in and really excited about. But you can follow me on social media. 
it's just uh, Dr. Sean Ricks, S H A W M R I C K S. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook, and you could go to my website. I had to remember that last piece, which is just uh, drshawnricks.com. So, you know, I'm I'm out there. I'm an open book, willing to help folks in any way that they need, whether it's mentoring or, or anything, because people have helped me along. And so I really believe in the like lifting as we climb motto, which was the National Association of Colored Women's motto. I'm such a nerd. Oh, my gosh. Oh, anyway, so <laughs> I'm such a nerd, which is fine with me. I love it. But uh, yeah, so I always try to assist because people really helped me so much while I was climbing. And so now I'm, I'm ready to continue to do some lifting. And mentoring is so, so important. Both you and I are are both very uh, passionate about that, I think, of giving back. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate your being here today. Of course. My, my good pleasure. friend, you know, I've most of the women that I've interviewed on the podcast are people that I know and have relationships with. And so, you know, I'm like, wow, I have some awesome, talented friends. You're an awesome, talented person, like uh, a next like. Oh, uh, well, thank you. So, Thanks again. I will leave all of Dr. Rick's details and how you can stay in touch with her in the show notes. And again, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate the support. If you haven't already, please subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about me, please visit my website at drmoniquecjohnson.com and that's DR for doctor. Until next time, let's open doors and break barriers.